0: Ladies and gentlemen, Rob Port here on 970 WDAY. Good afternoon, Ateel. How are you? Doing pretty good today. We're on the uh, the downhill slide into the weekend.
1: Yes, sir. We are.
0: Just today, like I need a weekend. We to <laughs> I've been feeling like I need a weekend after this
1: week. It's going to be a good weekend too. I mean, they're talking. Talking nice in the, weather. Yeah, temps in the 70s down here for Saturday. It's going to be great.
0: It's going to be good. Yeah, up near, uh, same same for up here. So looking forward to that. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about a bunch of different stuff today. Uh, we have open phones, the entire program. No guests. If you want to join in, we could talk about whatever the heck you want to talk about, or we could talk about what I'm talking about. 701-293-9000, is the toll-free number. Uh, you can e- email me as well, talk at wday.com, or tweet me, at Rob Port. Uh, so over in Washington, D.C., we've got drama unfolding over the over the um, Supreme Court appointment of uh, Donald Trump's appointment to the Supreme Court. Um, and it's all about the filibuster. And it's, it's interesting. Uh, it, it, it's been interesting. It's always interesting to watch the politics around the filibuster because – the party that's in the minority always upholds the filibuster as some, uh, you know, a paragon of, of you know, democratic virtue, right? And the party that's in the majority always thinks the filibuster is just the worst thing ever, obstruction, et cetera, et cetera. And it's, it's interesting to watch how our two senators handle that because – Back in 2013, which was Senator Heidi Heitkamp's first year in office, uh, Democrats still had the majority in the United States Senate. And Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid uh, used the quote unquote nuclear option uh, to change Senate rules to allow the confirmation of Obama administration judicial appointees by a simple majority vote. It passed 52 to 48, with three Democrats voting against changing the rules that would be not among them senator heidi heitkamp uh and and heitkamp campaigned against the filibuster if you read her her 2012 senate campaign uh website is still active still on the internet and what she said is that i quote there are too many extreme politicians in washington uh, who hold the country hostage to advance their narrow political agenda. So she was against the filibuster in 2012. 2013, she votes with her party to end nuke the filibuster for judicial appointments. And then in 2000 in the 2014 election cycle, Republicans gain what was it? 9 Senate seats, something like that. They regained the majority of the Senate. All of a sudden, Senator Heitkamp found a renewed appreciation for the filibuster. She voted for all sorts of filibusters. Um, a, whole, a, a whole bunch. I mean, too, too many to list here. She voted for it numerously, repeatedly, filibusters. Uh, because that's where her party was in the minority, and she was voting to obstruct uh, the Republican Party's uh, advancement of their policy agenda. Now, Today, Democrats are still in the minority, and now we have a Republican president, and that Republican president is trying to make his first, maybe only, I don't know, appointment to the U.S. Supreme Court. The filibuster, again, is at issue. Democrats have successfully filibustered. Now, Senator Heitkamp has come out strategically, I think, because she knows which ways the political winds blow in North Dakota. She knows that she has to make nicey-nice with Trump most of the time. In order to be reelected in North Dakota, so she announced that she would be supporting Trump's nominee, and she has so far, except that today she also voted with Democrats to uphold the filibuster. She had vote for the she, she, she voted against the rule change requiring sixty votes. So. I think that's sort of an interesting timeline, right? I mean, here you have Senator Heitkamp. She thinks Washington's, you know, we got obstructionists and, and you know, the, the, the public's business is being held up by extremists. And then she gets into office and she votes to nuke the filibuster for judicial nominees. Uh, and then she votes and then her party loses the majority. Then she votes for a whole bunch of filibusters for public policy. And now still in the minority, she votes to uphold the filibuster for judicial nominees for a Republican president. All of which sure makes it seem like Senator Heitkamp, who postures herself as this pragmatic red state Democrat, right? This, this person who's, who's got an eye towards cooperative governing and bipartisanship. She works very hard to, to build that facade. How genuine it is, I don't know. Who knows how genuine anything a politician does is. But she works very hard to maintain that. And yet here we have very quietly Senator Heitkamp's position on the filibuster is pretty clearly partisan. And to her defense, so is Senator Hovind's. Senator Hovind also voted against changing the rules for the filibuster for judicial appointees under House Majority Leader Harry Reid under President Obama. And he today voted for changing those rules. So he flip-flopped, too. And that's worth noting. And I guess you could say what you want about that. To my mind, I I, I think it's very interesting for Senator Heitkamp because Senator Hovind generally, he's a Republican. You know which way he's coming. He's not making any big game out of play on the other side. Senator Hovind's politically safe. He doesn't have to play any games. He's a Republican, and he votes with Republicans. He votes in Republican interests. Senator Heitkamp is a Democrat, and she has to work very hard to distance herself from her national party, to put distance between herself. And that's why she makes a big deal when she splits with her party, right? She loves that because that's what's going to endear her to North Dakota voters, when she splits with her party on issues that are important for agriculture, issues that are important for energy development, um, you know, hot button issues like gun rights legislation, she wants a distinction between herself and National Democrats because she, if, if she embraces the ideology of the National Democratic platform, or frankly, even the, the 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 policy platform of the North of the State Democratic Party, she loses. They're too far to the left for the average North Dakota voter. But yet, here we have maybe an inkling that it's a facade. It really is just sort of a put on just sort of a part that she's playing. So anyway, pretty interesting timeline, pretty interesting local connection to that national story, both Hovind and Heitkamp flip-flopping on the filibuster, which is, I I guess just what politicians do, right? I mean, it's personally, I like the filibuster. I I'm, I am less concerned about it for judicial appointments. I think generally, you know, the president gets – elections have consequences. The president gets to appoint their people to these offices. Uh, You know, I I, I think a simple majority suffices, right? A simple majority will protect us against, you know, the president appointing his brother-in-law or something, right, or somebody who is just completely unqualified for the office. I think a simple majority is enough. To protect against that, I don't think we need a supermajority vote, a filibuster, to overcome a filibuster to protect us on judicial appointments. At the end of the day, the people elected President Donald Trump, and Trump, a big part of that, a big reason why a lot of Republicans were able to set aside some of the concerns they have for him was because of the fact that he would be appointing lots of judges to the federal bench, not the least of which was at least one Supreme Court justice. But the filibuster for public policy, I like it. If we're going to make national policy, I think a supermajority in the Senate is okay. Anyway, interesting stuff. 701 Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report on 970 WDAY. Call in, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329, email talk at wday.com, or tweet me, at Rob Port. I don't know, I both Camp and Hovind flip-flopped on judicial filibusters. Hovind... Opposed changing the rules back in 2013 when it was President Obama and and Democrats in uh, in the majority. And he supported changing the rules today when we have a Republican president, Donald Trump, and Republicans in the majority. And we're talking about a Republican nominee. Um, you know, and vice versa for Heidi. Those are flip-flops. But I, I don't know. I, I think Hovind's in a different situation. I mean, Hovind is... Hovind is organically, I, I think, the sort of moderate Republican that that North Dakota voters want. Uh, you know, it's just, mo- or at least most North Dakota voters. Anyway, that's just where he's at. I mean, that's just who he is. Heitkamp, on the other part, on the other hand, kind of has to play a part, right? She has to, she has to play at being a Democrat who happens to vote like a moderate Republican, and. I mean, to, to me, that's the distinction. I, I guess that's a, all politicians flip-flop on this stuff. That's nothing new. I think the political dynamics, though, for Heidi sort of charting these waters is a little different from Hoven. But maybe that's just me, and it's because I'm a, I'm a conservative right-of-center Republican. I've got a caller on the line, John. Go ahead, John. What's up?
2: Well, I'll tell you you know this new rule. Even though, yes, okay, the old rule is barely a hundred years old for nominating. To me, it does set somewhat of a dangerous precedent when you allow it to be just a simple majority. That means whatever parties in power is going to get their way on this issue. You know, now and in the future. Yeah. And I don't. And I don't know that I like that. You know, because-
0: I, yeah, I, I, I understand the point you're making. And I, I draw a distinction between judicial and the rule change today is for judicial nominees. And and I draw a distinction between the two for appointments. You know, we're talking about the judiciary. We're talking about the various bureaucracies or whatever that the president exercises the power of patronage over. I I, I don't know. I generally think, you know, elections have consequences, you know, if it's a if, depending on the president you and i may not like it but the president won and i think barring something egregious they should get to avoid, appoint the people they want to those positions and a simple majority vote to my mind works for that i like the filibuster however for public policy like where we're actually talking about legislation you know taxes or spending or whatever i like the filibuster for those things i think if we're going to set broad national policy a super is not too much to ask
2: well, my my concern is, though, you know, when you talk about appointing judges, the simple fact of the matter is, is when you appoint them, a lot of these appointments are for life. They're not for, oh, just the next four years. And I think in we'll the federal judiciary,
0: I think they're all for life.
2: Right, and that's the point, and that's where it disturbs me because you're you're, you're going down a dangerous road because what's going to happen over time is if the Democrats stay in majority for, say. Twelve years in the Senate, but they're going to do as they please. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and the same can be said for the Republicans. I mean, I don't. Agree
0: yeah, with but but I mean, but 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 at that, I mean, at what point are they just allowed to govern, though? I mean, if they're winning the elections for that long, shouldn't they get to exercise that power?
2: Well, to a I mean, degree, that's why we give. I mean, they have. But, but if if, the if, if you have a if you have a problem
0: if you have a problem with them exercising the power, then. I guess let's have a debate about taking the power away from them. But if they have the power, why can't they exercise it?
2: Well, like I said, Rob, what concerns me is when you look at the court as a whole and and, and you look at some of the, for example, some of the crazy gun control laws that that go on in defiance of the Constitution. You know, when you look at things that defy the Constitution, you know, it's, it's just like, you know, Trump and wanting to implement on what most of us view is common sense policy regarding air travel and, and and regarding entrance into the country by people from you know countries but that you, are known you, to you, harbor terrorism, for example, and you have one judge that's liberal out there that can just tie up the whole work. I mean, you right. know, first and, 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 and I and I judges. You should be able to look at judges, and judges should be non political. There should be common sense. They should look at the law as the law applies they should be. You're and, and absolutely not play right. with one party or the other.
0: You're absolutely right. And that's, in a perfect world, that's how it would be. Now, he, here's the reality, though, is, is just about every single member, I, I guess barring who President Obama appointed when Democrats changed the rules back in 2013, just about every single member of the judici- judiciary, as it exists today, was appointed with the filibuster in place for judicial appointments. So... I don't I don't know that the filibuster was addressing the problem that, that you're identifying which I frankly identify as a problem too and I don't know what to do about it I mean well, do, do, we, that, do, we, it, do we elect it, it, do we elect the judges I think that would make it even worse if we had judges out trying to to pander to voters you know on on their rulings. I think they would be even worse
2: right well like I said I mean yes is there a, is there a cut and right answer I think we need to address that and, and and that's where I like I said I'm not real keen on the idea of it being a simple majority. You know, so that in other words, yeah. whatever party party is the flavor of the year is going to dictate the direction of the country. I, I don't for decades I, I, to come. You know, I, I, I don't disagree, not, not but I mean, for for years. for
0: be- so, we have to have some mechanism for picking who the judges are going to be. Right? We got to have something. Electing them, I think, would be no, even worse. And that's why right, I
2: right, like the the standard majority, where at least if you have sixty out of hundred votes, it tells you that there's enough appeal. Yeah. At that level, that this person is not really slanted wholeheartedly one way or the other because they're appealing to a to a, to a wider. But
0: but in, in in this instance, what we had is we had we had Democrats essentially saying that they were paying back Republicans for what they did to Judge Garland, who was the, the person that President Obama tried to appoint to well, the court. Well, and I and I don't agree with that. I
2: still think that they, they they should have at least gone through the motions of holding given three... them a vote. And, and give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down done yeah. move forward
0: yeah yeah I, I i think you're right these are the games they play though and i don't i mean i, I don't well, know how to then, get it,
2: and, I, and that's why i don't agree with this and i and i believe that if we allow this to continue that this is where we're going down a dangerous road as far as rule goes
0: i honestly don't know how to change it though i mean the politicians are are in the driver's seat on this and this is this is where they're going john thanks for the call i want to sneak keith in here quick before we break go ahead keith
3: yeah, um, I agree with your last caller, um, and the reason I agree with him is because not everyone in this country wants to be right- and left-wing politics anymore, and if someone if someone needs 60%, you know, how can you say the, the politicians are in the driver's seat on this one? It's the people that should be in the driver's seat, Rob.
0: We, well, because we live in a representative democracy. I mean, do you, do you want to elect people to the U.S. Supreme Court? I don't. I think that'd make it even worse. Subjecting the yeah. subjecting the Supreme Court justices to the, uh, if you want to hold out Keith, we gotta we gotta go to a break. If you want to hold on, we could talk about it more after the break. But I gotta uh, I gotta go to a break.
2: Welcome back, Rob. Report here on
0: nine seventy WDAY. Email talk at wday Tweet me at Rob Port eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine seven zero one two nine three nine thousand Keith. If if you want, uh, we had to cut Keith. I hate I hate it when that happens, but we got to go to a commercial break uh, when the time comes. So sometimes I don't have a lot of flexibility. I don't like cutting people off generally. Uh, so Keith, if you want to call back in, we can certainly uh, finish our discussion. I, the point he was trying to make, Natil, is that you know I I said the politicians are in the driver's seat for these these appointments, and they are. I mean Trump. The politician he makes the nomination uh the senate's full of politicians they you know they govern the procedure for for confirmation um and i don't know what the alternative is to that uh you know because if we put the people in dr- the driver's seat i guess that means electing people to the u.s supreme court and i really don't want as as political as as the existing process is Nathiel, i don't want i don't want like national campaigns for supreme court that's going to turn into a, a circus
1: yeah, that's not the way to handle to handle the uh, nominations for our judicial system. I I don't think. Well, not
0: I mean because the judges are going to be politicians too, right? I mean because because well, what are they going to campaign on, right? They're going to have to talk about how they would apply their judicial philosophy, and they would have to, I guess, answer hypothet. I mean that's what the voters are going to expect. Yeah, and the they have to answer thing... hypotheticals about cases involving abortion and guns and and everything yeah. else under the sun. And, and is that what we want? You know, they're going to be out there making campaign promises. I'll never, I'll never, you know, support uh, the, the over, the, you know, limiting abortion rights or whatever it is. I mean, that's what you want judges. That's not what I want judges doing. It's a bad idea. Although here in North Dakota, our our state Supreme Court justices campaign, um, they typically do so under, you know, pretty, uh, some pretty strict, you know, strict judicial guidelines. But they get elected. Our district court judges generally get elected um i so i don't know i don't know at the national i mean i could just see it turning in i mean we we tend to avoid a lot of the politics on in the judiciary i think locally nationally boy i think that would turn into a turn into a nightmare but i I mean i don't know what else to do about it um you know and, and i don't i guess i don't really have a problem with with getting rid of the filibuster for And I, I didn't always feel this way and I guess I'm coming around and maybe you could accuse me of being a hypocrite, but I like the filibuster for policy, right? If we're going to enact a, a law that applies in this big diverse country, a country that's diverse in every way, a country can be diverse. I mean, geographically and racially, economically, everything else, we're going to enact a policy that's going to apply to everybody nationally. I don't think a supermajority vote in the Senate's too high a hurdle to ask. That being said, the country elected Donald Trump. He has the power to make judicial appointments. I think a supermajority is good enough. You know, I mean, I, I think it would protect now if, if Trump appoints somebody who is just wildly inappropriate for the office or wildly um, unqualified, I think a simple majority vote's enough protection for that. But generally, you know, I I think the president should get to make his appointments or her appointments, as the case may be in the future. Caller, Ken, you're on. What's up?
3: This has been a a domino effect that's been coming since Robert Bork and the borking of Robert Bork. Yep, that's true. And once you move out of, is this person qualified to be on the court, Uh, which I think was for a long time for the most part, the, the standard to right will he vote the way i want him to vote well that's become politics then, then the, 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 so right. it's just good be
0: done with just even, even 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 to the point even to the point of how we talk about judges right like when we have controversial court rulings coming out what gets mentioned well the president who appointed the judge yep. and i i was yep. i was guilty i was guilty of that i did that during the uh during the pipeline protests, we were getting these rulings by Judge James Bosberg out of the the D.C. Circuit Court, and he was he I, I was noting he was an Obama appointee, and I, I guess I was noting it because people you know people were out there saying it was a right wing judge or a judge that was in the pocket of the oil industry, and I was just pointing out well this guy was appointed by President Obama, um and I, I guess that plays into exactly what you're talking about where we've sort of We've begun identifying the judges by their ideology. Now, that doesn't happen – that doesn't line up perfectly. We've had judges appointed by Republicans who have done things that make Republicans and conservatives pretty mad sometimes, and vice versa. But I, I don't know. I, I, I mean,
3: just get this. When was the last time a, a Sotomayor or a Ginsburg – when was when the last time yeah. they voted to really disappoint – and, or a, a ruling they have that really disappointed
0: their base. Yeah, you, you got me. I, I, I think usually that trend. I, I think the disappointment has been more on the side of Republicans than yes. Democrats for the <laughs> most part. Although, oh. I, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Uh... Didn't, wasn't there a big liberal defection on the citizens United ruling I'd have to go back and look I, I thought there was I thought one of the liberal justices
3: usually usually when they disappoint it's, it's in 9-0 blocks where, where it's yeah you know it, it's nine to nothing <laughs> no way Jose and then maybe the you liberals know. get a little disappointed but you know what this was so far out that not that, yeah. that everybody agreed that that has to say something when you get a 90 verdict.
0: I read an, I read an interesting article about how a lot of this goes back to the Progressive era. We had FDR who who frankly packed the court in favor of a lot of his reforms, that, that the Progressives were upset because they wanted to, to, you know, remake how we governed. And unfortunately they were finding that the Constitution limited their powers in that way. And so they wanted to get judges on the court that would have a more expansive view. Like um and, and they, they sort of changed it wasn't whether a clear reading of the law would allow allow the government to do whatever was in question, but whether or not a reasonable person might conclude that a reading of the law would allow it. and and I think that's that's been a much more expansive definition of of the judge's job. I mean, I mean, to me, it seems clear. like you read the law and then you try to render apply that law to a given case. And if, if you don't try to produce the outcome you want, you produce the outcome that the law dictates. And if the law dictates unjust outcomes or outcomes we don't like, then the solution is to change the law through the legislative and or executive branches. Yeah, that not... got changed
3: in 72 with penumbras and emanation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's where we're at today. I, but, I mean, it's – I don't know. I, I mean, the process we have for making judicial appointments is what it is. Um Yep. Step by the constitution. Yep. Yeah. So it's it's you know, are there is there politics involved in it? Absolutely. Of it is course. A thoroughly, it is a thoroughly political process. But what's what's the alternative? Electing judges at the national level? I think that's a terrible idea.
3: Bad idea.
0: Well, Ken, thanks this, for the call. This pro- has been a long
3: time coming, and and it's just a natural progression. And you know, are you are you, I, you glad know, they the, got rid the of the outrage, filibuster? I think is manufactured.
0: Are you, are, so, so you're happy they got rid of the filibuster today? I'm not happy. I just understand it happened. Okay, so you know, you, yeah. uh, the, the Democrats did their power
3: play back in 2013. The Republicans did their power play now.
2: So I quit find, crying about it.
0: <laughs> I support the filibuster generally. I find myself being ambivalent about this. I, I, I don't want it to go anywhere for public policy. I like the idea if we're going to, again, as I've sort of said ad nauseum this show, if we're going to enact public policy that applies to the whole country, then I don't think it's. joining the Mitch. Tell Senate me, Mitch McConnell's
3: other move. You put up yeah. Gorsuch, who is pretty vanilla. I mean, as it goes, he's not. He's the, not I don't know that he's going to be Scalia, but he's pretty vanilla. If, if 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 he says okay, the filibuster stands. What is Mitch McConnell's next move? Who, who does you know Trump?
0: Hey, you know, try somebody else. Well, I mean, is honestly, is is there anybody? I, I think I heard. I heard somebody say, and it was—I was, don't know if it was a Republican senator or—or or, uh, or maybe it was McConnell himself. I don't know. I heard somebody say that Donald Trump could appoint Ruth Bader Ginsburg, could nominate new Ruth Bader Ginsburg's clone to the Supreme Court, and the Democrats would filibuster just because well, it's Donald of Trump. But at, this point, but at this point, at this
3: point, I mean, you know, yeah. And at this I mean, point, they're out for, for revenge. To, for and Charlie. he's going to put somebody roughly right of center, and. This guy is, it, 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 to me, he's, he's kind of like a Roberts. You know, me, just, yeah, Nobody I mean... got any traction on anything except the, the truck driver case, you know, and that's about it. So that's it, okay? You, yeah. You're going you're to pluck over a guy who's been in there 20, 30 years, and you're going to find a case somewhere where it's somewhat controversial, you know, how, right. how he decided it.
0: You know it's I I think what they did today is is just fine. Ken thanks for the call. Appreciate it. 701-293-9000 888-970-9329 email talk at WDAY.com. We'll wrap the show up right after this. Rob Report here on 970 WDAY. Email talk at wday.com. 701-293-9000. 888 Those are your toll-free numbers. Or one of them's toll-free anyway. Tweet me at Rob Port. Uh, coming up uh, tomorrow on the show, Governor Doug Burgum is going to be on. A uh, lot going on down at the legislature. Uh, we don't, they don't have a lot of time left. If, In fact, I, I think... I think they got to be done next week if they want to hit. You know, they, they talked about the legislature's constrained to 80 days every two years by the state constitution. If they want to hit, they wanted to be done by 70 days, leaving themselves 10 days if, you know, they would need to come back into session for whatever without having the governor call them back into session. Uh, they wanted to leave 10 days. So that would mean they'd have to be done next week. Whether or not they're going to hit that at this point, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, Governor Burgum's going to be on. we got a lot to talk to him about. Also coming up Monday, Kathy Nesset, president of the State Board of Higher Education, is going to be on. And, you know, we have – higher ed has had a lot of cuts this legislative session. Uh, there's been some controversy over the women's hockey program, controversy over this nursing school, which I'll talk about a little bit here in a moment. Uh, so we'll talk with her about that. We have faculty, by the way, saying that the Board of Higher Education is not representing them, not standing up for higher ed. So we'll talk with her about all that on Monday. Um, this nursing school thing I think is pretty interesting. I, I got po- We talked about it yesterday. It's the uh, Sanford School, NDSU, President Brashani back in 2014 uh, entered into a deal with Sanford that was approved by the State Board of Higher Education to have NDSU take over the school. It's a sweetheart deal. The school operates at about a million dollar annual loss. Uh, And on top of that, the state of North Dakota has to pay Sanford starting, I think later this year, has to pay Sanford rent on the facility, which I think comes up to like $380,000 a year or something like that. It was, I mean, it was, and, and Sanford basically gets first, according to the agreement, gets first dibs on, on the graduates for the program. So it turned in from, from Sanford in the Bismarck Tribune article, there's a Sanford executive that said, uh, this was an investment, uh, which which I guess is true. It was an investment in the taxpayers paying to train nurses for Sanford. Um, and don't get me wrong, we have a nursing shortage in North Dakota. If we we may need to look, we may very well need to look at expanding our capacity at our state institutions to train nurses. Um, but doing it with that Sanford deal, that was a bad deal. So I I had a post. My headline was um, Sanford got caught with their hand in the cookie jar. Because initially, I think there's a lot of misleading stuff. You know, it's all oh, the Republicans are sure of shutting down the nursing school and, and sort of the the usual mouth breathers were out trying to uh, turn it into a partisan issue. And it, it's just it's it's not. It was a bad deal for the taxpayers. It sounds like it's on the way to getting fixed. So we'll talk to that. Uh, Natil, you know who Don Rickles is?
1: I have no idea.
0: Don Rickles was a legendary comedian. He was part of sort of the... Oh. Uh, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, that crowd. Um, You should look. There are YouTube videos of him roasting President Ronald Reagan. Um, You know, because they were buddy from Reagan's back in the Hollywood days. Completely different era. You know, if you go back to a lot of those old comedians like Bob Hope and stuff like that, their routines don't stand up to time. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm sure they were great back in the day, Mm -hmm. but they don't stand up. Rickles stood up. I mean, his stuff was hilarious. There was a great documentary. He died today, which is why I brought him up. Uh, passed away, I think, at ninety. So lived to a ripe old age. Hilarious guy. There was a documentary. I think it came out in like two thousand seven. I think it's an HBO documentary. It's called Mister Warmth. Uh, and if you get time, watch that because he was a he was a funny funny dude. He was before my t- I used I know he was before your time. He was before my time. Um. You know, by the time I think we came around, he was sort of out of his prime. Although he does. Did you ever watch that, that old movie, uh, Casino?
1: Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're, De... just, you're just beyond
0: me Man. right now.
1: I'm sorry. It's a Scorsese film, Robert De Niro, Sharon Stone. I know all those actors, but I've never seen the movie.
0: All right. Well, great movie as well. He's in it. He plays the pit boss, um, and he's, he's great in it. But
1: it, it kind of made me
0: sad today. I mean, he's a throwback guy. His prime was way before my time. I got to know him. Like on YouTube and that documentary, and it makes me sad a little bit. Passed on. He was a talented guy, funny guy, but um, and, and just absolutely rip roaring. The stuff he got away, you would never get away with it today. You never get away with some of the stuff he said. He he actually worked President Reagan's inauguration at one point, and you watch the video of that, and you wonder how anything like that could ever happen at a political event today. It just couldn't. It just couldn't. you want to get on the last couple of minutes, Eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. 9329 email talk at WDAY.com. You know, there aren't a lot of comedians, I guess, that I, I follow today. I, I think there are comedic actors, you know, that I like watching them on in television or on movies, but I don't really sit down and just watch, like, stand-up.
1: Yeah, the only time I really do that is if I'm watching Netflix. There's some... Netflix
0: has a lot of like stand-up specials mm-hmm,
1: and I enjoy watching those
0: yeah I don't watch those very much I watch some Louis Louis CK I think makes me makes me laugh a lot of the time
1: mm-hmm. see my my big the one that I always watch <laughs> when something new comes up on uh, Netflix and, and Louis CK is very good don't don't get me wrong but I won't jump at the opportunity to watch a stand-up special from him for me it's um oh uh, Gabriel Iglesias is—is is that his name? Iglesias. His last name is Iglesias. Everyone calls him Fluffy.
0: I, I don't know. who you're Oh, he's—he's
1: he's a massive. He's—he's he's very chubby. He's very fat, and that's yeah. why people call him Fluffy. And he's—I think I he's see. just hilarious. Huh. He does. I'll have to he, check him out. He does a lot of like sort of uh, family comedy. He yeah. pokes fun at his Hispanic heritage a lot. It's—I don't. I think he's
0: great. I don't think I have done comedy CDs used to be a big thing. I remember back when it was, like, junior high and that, like, comedy CDs. I remember having, like, Adam Sandler comedy CDs. Ugh. And, uh, yeah, he's a terrible actor. Those, I, when I was in junior high, I thought he was hilarious. And he's still, he's still pandering to that audience. That was the and beginning. Making the jerky, doing it. The Jerky Boys? <laughs> oh, my lord. Those were the days. You ever listen to the Jerky Boys, Natil?
1: No, sir. Man.
0: You missed out. Not really. (laughs) They're probably not funny anymore. Hey, that's it for the Rob Report. Jay Thomas coming up next. Governor Doug Burgum on my show tomorrow. You can always catch me here 1 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.